Hello, I'm Hannah Jenna. And I'm Rachel Johnson, and welcome to Before and After, a body image podcast. We are here to discuss our ideas, perceptions, and beliefs about how we look and how we see others. We'll be looking at research and trends in the world of fitness and nutrition, as well as looking at our own biases related to body image and busting some persistent myths that abound in advertising and on social media. We hope to reach and captivate audiences of all ages and gender. So please help us out by subscribing and sharing. And if you like what you hear, we would very much appreciate you leaving us a review. Happy listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 18, a much more professional hello today, probably because <laughs> we have guests and we're trying to show off. Right, exactly. We're trying to be really professional now. So I don't know if you guys remember, but maybe, was it the confidence episode? A couple of episodes ago, we would talk, yeah, we yeah, were talking about, talking about how we would Olympic feel. Olympic athletes and what they wear, wore. Yeah, how we would feel wearing different outfits worn by Olympic athletes, and we got onto gymnastics. And then you were talking about, I'm going to blame Rachel for this one. Yeah, <laughs> talking I, about I, I was wrong. I if was you wrong. have <laughs> a wedgie and you're a gymnast, then you lose style points or something well, we like were that. Well, ta- I, I was saying I had heard they have this like like stick on, like double-sided tape. Stick they have to stick their leotards, leotards to, their, to their bum. To their butt cheeks. <laughs> but our guest today, um, who is, I'm very excited to talk to, is actually a gymnast um, and is going to, before we get into her story, which is the real reason why we are here today, she has a very fascinating one, she is going to actually correct us on some of our leotard inaccuracies. Yes. So, without further ado, <laughs> Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah. We'll give you a, sh- a chance to tell you a little bit about us, about yourself shortly, but please tell us some common myths associated with leotards and what does get you points knocked off and what is totally fine um so a very common myth is that bra straps um if you see a bra strap during the routine it's actually a myth um that you get deductions for that but it's more so like the aesthetic purpose of it so like just having clear bra straps with the design of the leotard is like makes it prettier i guess um although if you were to pick a wedgie during a routine that is a deduction so no picking wow. of wedgies i mean yeah, some of in a wedgie you're gonna have to wait till you're done even the <laughs> fact that it's like there's like that aesthetic thing is interesting to me though too right that like like female gymnasts also have to look pretty like yeah. do, do guys do guys have any comparable uh you know with what they have to wear in gymnastics or so my boyfriend, uh, or Rachel's brother, um, <laughs> he was a gymnast too. And so we recently were all talking about that. And he said that they didn't have any issue with that whatsoever. They never really like restricted their diet. Um, they more so encouraged them to like eat more. Um, whereas for me, they did restrict my diet. And yeah, I was just really like taken aback. I was like, what? <laughs> Oh yeah, because so I mean the guys they wear they but, they wear I mean I, I don't I don't actually know what do the guys call their they're not leotards but they are like uh one one piece suits right what what do the guys call what they wear in gymnastics uh, sometimes they wear that or just pants yeah oh okay. sometimes it's like that whole pantsuit or just the pants pantsuit okay pants suit. we'll call it a pantsuit that sounds friendlier <laughs> you know, than a leotard I've never I can't believe I've never actually asked Colin that so for our listeners Colin is my little brother uh and I know Jordan because Jordan is dating my little brother so one uh, quick question 
Do you ever train with a wedgie on purpose just to get used to the feeling of it <laughs> and overriding that feeling so you don't get the urge to so pick you it? don't pick it? Actually, no. <laughs> I would. I would just whenever we were practicing, I would just pick my wedgie whenever. Oh. I just have to keep in mind, like, don't don't move your hands down whenever, like, you're doing your routine in competition. I would just have to continue to remind myself that. Wow. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Well, that's now we have that cleared up. Important business. We can get on to the real reason. Well, like during the routines, we're thinking like very intense thoughts. Like, okay, you need to make this. You need to make this. No, most of the time it's just like, don't pick your wedgie. Don't pick your wedgie. <laughs> oh, this is great. I yeah, I, I feel like yes. I I would imagine you'd be thinking about way more important things, but it kind of makes me happy to hear that you're also thinking about. I'm gonna. Don't pick a wedgie. I'm definitely gonna watch the Olympics now and make sure I tune into the gymnastics just so I can be like, is she thinking about wedgies right now? <laughs> okay, so, uh, as much as wedgies are fun, this episode is not going to entirely be about the picking of wedgies. Uh, we are here today to talk to Jordan. Thank you so much for coming on and talking a little bit about your story. Because as we've just heard, Jordan trained as a gymnast for many, many years. Um, even though she's still super young, gymnast. What did you say you started at like one years old? Year and a half. Mm-hmm. Whoa, is that even possible? Yeah. What? Yeah, so I did um, like mommy and me classes, but with my dad. And it's just like that's where you learn like four rolls and like jumping on a trampoline. It's just like the very, 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 very basic thing. It was wow. more fun than anything, but I ended up going on to team about when I was maybe four or five. See, and this That's is why amazing. I was, when you, before you arrived, Rachel, I was t- talking to Jordan. I was telling her like at the age of 41, trying to learn gymnastics as a part of CrossFit, which I know like CrossFit gymnastics is probably like heinous to real <laughs> gymnastic gymnasts. <laughs> but like even trying to learn some basic movements, like being okay with standing on your hands. It's so hard when you're like this old. Right? It's am- and it is really is amazing how many CrossFitters like fear that. Like being upside down is a big barrier so, for a lot of folks. I admire your commitment and dedication to what is a very technically challenging sport. But um, first up, you are no ordinary gymnast. You were born no. with a condition that I am not going to try and make a hash out of it by saying, I will it. let you say what we'll it is, which, which when you guys hear this, makes Jordan an even more amazing athlete. Because I want to like really explore kind of two things when we're talking to you today. And one is just like how you've managed to adapt your body and use it, get, like considering that you have a condition, um, which we will introduce. And also like... The journey through gymnastics, like you mentioned just briefly um, a minute ago about how your diet was restricted and the effects of like how you're meant to look um, as a female in the sport. So first up, this condition we keep saying, <laughs> tell, tell us, us about tell it. Us. <laughs> so it's called amniotic banding syndrome. And um, to kind of explain what that is, uh, in the womb, whenever I was... Um, a fetus my feet got caught into the amniotic sac and this can be affected to like any extremity Um, but for me it was my feet and that prevented the growth of toes in both of my feet so I have a foot probably about the size of my hand and the other one's probably a little bit bigger so they're about the size like a half of a foot essentially and 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 you so you don't have any toes 
None at all. I have um, my metatarsals, and that's as far as they go. Okay. Wow. Like, I'm just blown away. Just, like, thinking about, like, your toes are kind of like these little little guys that sit down there, and you don't think about them too totally much. Totally take them for granted. Like, if you took away my toes, I would fall on my face. Right. And there would absolutely be no way that I would be able to jump or run or balance Right. Any Think of, of how much you love double unders. It would all be... Like, can, can you jump rope? So, as... I mean, I, I'm assuming that you are one of very few gymnasts, probably in the world, that... I don't think I've ever met anyone who has... Besides, like, Paralympic athletes, I've never met anyone that has had something similar. How old were you when you became aware, um, like, in your when you go to gymnastics training and you're just like, oh... My feet don't look like everybody else's. Um, definitely a very early age, I believe. Um, it's a very long time ago, so I don't remember exactly, but I was coaching a girl um, for a little bit, and she had half of an arm. And she was maybe six or seven and she was very aware of it and she was she would try to hide it during practice and all that um and I think she ended up quitting a little bit after but I think it may have been around that time in my life I'm I'm not 100% sure but my parents never let me use that as an excuse for anything they would be like yeah you're different but you're doing this without toes while they're doing this with toes so that makes you like cooler I and love I just that. kind of kept so, that mindset, and it never, it never really like affected my confidence in general. That's amazing. Did you have any difficulties with finding a coach who would like really work with you, or were was it sort of in a con- inclusive environment where they're like, "Hey, cool, as long as you can work around it, let's figure this out and let's go ahead." Or where did you find that perhaps, like in some cases, coaches were like, "Oh, I'm not working with that." So um, I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> That's <but> fine. <laughs> there was a gym that I was at for about five years, and they held me back for that five years, so I stayed in that same level um, the entire time because they didn't want to work with me and they didn't want to put in that effort to like do research on. Um, how I can utilize my other muscle groups for the lack of uh, toes when I, whenever I jump and all that. So I finally moved, and um, I went up about three levels in the span of maybe a year and a half, a year and a half to two years, and um, that's also where I met Colin. <laughs> so what, what for somebody who knows very little about gymnastics, like what, what levels are there? What do you have... You know, from beginner to kind of elite, what you have to be able to achieve to get up levels? So, um, levels one through five, this is, so it's very different from whenever I was a gymnast to how it is now. Everything has changed since, but whenever I was a gymnast, levels one through five were compulsory, um, which were basically like, you would compete and you would get like a participation trophy, essentially. Um, Everybody's a winner level. Okay. <laughs> were optional levels, which means you would have to qualify for um, state, for regionals, uh, nationals, worlds, all that, all that sorts of stuff. And I think it was uh, first place through third that would qualify. First through third or first through fourth, I don't remember which one. But it's also dependent on 
difficulty of skill and there are skills labeled A A through like E or F, I don't remember off the top of my head. And those are like different difficulties of the skill and you would have to have a certain amount of D skills or a certain amount of C skills in your team to like match up to that level. So in the gym you were at they were they were holding you back. Were you were you aware that they were holding you back? Were they purposely like you can't go ahead because you don't have toes, so this is what you got? Yeah, I knew they were purposely holding me back, and it took a while to move because the gym that I was already thinking about, the one that I moved later on, they were full. They couldn't take any more students, so I had to wait a little bit. Um, How did you feel like for, for a while we were trying to find a different place to go to and. In terms of self-confidence, like, what, how old were you, were you during this time where you were stuck at this gym and you knew that they were holding you back? Twelve, maybe. Ten or twelve. And how did that feel? I know it's probably hard to think back to... I'm trying to think back to things when I was ten or twelve. But that was way longer ago than <laughs> when you were. She's a little closer to that than we are, uh, but... <laughs> how did you feel in terms of your self-confidence? Like... You, you've got this far, you know that you can figure it out without toes, and your parents have told you, yeah, you're cool because you can do this stuff and other kids can't. And yet the people that are meant to be the ones who are leading you on and making you better and helping you out are telling you that you can't go anywhere with this. How did you feel yeah. in terms of self-confidence? It was very frustrating more than anything because I'm just like sitting there while all my friends were progressing and going up and like competing and doing awesome. And I'm just kind of, like, sitting back, like, why can't I do that? Or, like, why won't they help me do that type of thing? Um, especially on vault. Vault was probably one of my hardest um, events to do because it required a lot of running. And to for vault, you're supposed to run on your toes, and that helps you gain that momentum to do the vault skill. And I couldn't do that. So they didn't really help me build certain muscle in different muscle groups to help compensate for that loss. Wow. And I learned that later on whenever I moved uh, gyms. That's when I learned later on that I could use different muscle groups to compensate for it. So I wish I had known that beforehand, but. And when you moved gyms, were they kind of welcoming you with you with open arms? It's like, yes, this is exciting. Oh, yeah. Let's go to work. You got this. They were very welcoming. Every, every girl there that was I, I was on team with, they were very open to um, letting me like come into their their gym, and they were they weren't pressuring me to like uh, come forward about like what was wrong with me, what was different about me. They were they just kind of like not necessarily looked over it, but they were like, it doesn't matter. Like you're here, you're a gymnast too, you're awesome, that type of thing. So they were very very welcoming, and it was. Very different environment from the other one, which was very reassuring. So you were able to start making progress pretty quickly with your new yeah. coaches. So I'm mm -hmm. intrigued. Like, what did you learn? As somebody who is every day of the week that I go to the gym, I have to figure out how to do things with my a body new, and thing, like new, maybe yeah. do them in a different way or undo some things. What was your biggest kind of eye opener for like, oh, I need to recruit other muscles instead of my toes like what did you learn like how I don't I'm trying to like even wrap my head around what I would have to teach my body to use in terms of muscles to be able to do things to compensate for that yeah without toes she's got a great core 
I, I know we've I talked about that before. <laughs> um, that's probably one of my strongest muscle groups is my abs. Um, but my coach, he would stay with me to practice and kind of learn my anatomy and my physiology of my legs to like more so understand like when I tumble, how I use my feet, how I use my legs and, um, he would go home later that, that night, do research on how I could better myself with having this, um, having like, without having toes. And he really put in that effort to make sure that I would succeed with the other girls. And so what we discovered was that I needed my quads and my abs more. So they would adjust the conditioning for me on some things, and I would do more quad-dominant, exercises and I would do a lot more abs to kind of build those muscle groups so I could have strong tumbling and um, for back tumbling whenever I twist I, I don't really have that momentum to like push off so I needed my core to kind of help guide me back that's so cool that's amazing so are there are there gymnastic skills that you weren't able to to achieve despite kind of working to to compensate with other muscle groups um, like you, you specified vault was, was difficult, but did you end up, did you compete in, in all the, all the disciplines? Ap- apparatus? Apparati? Yeah, apparatus. <laughs> I don't know the plural version. Yeah, I know. I was like, wait, what's the plural? Apparati. Right? I don't know. But, um, I did. I competed all skills up to level nine and around nine is when I started specializing on beam. Um, and then I quit about That's a year That's the scariest after. one to me. Beam, beam is always <laughs> beam like... Beam is terrifying with the thought of being able to grip it with your toes. I, right? I know. Although, <laughs> although it's really hard, I right? Like cheated on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, cheated. Is beam well. easier for you because your feet are small, like smaller? Yeah. That's so a, the beam is about, I believe, four to five inches wide. And I could fit both of my feet side to side instead of having to put one foot forward than the other. So that so your feet actually gave you an advantage in beam. Mm-hmm. Was there ever oh, wow. any issue in competing? With... I would have judges ask me if I wanted like um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like like, like a co- accommodations or... in like scoring or yeah, like not be so harsh on the judging, and I'd be like oh. no. Judge what me I was, fairly, judge me like everyone else. I was wondering if you ever got any, like, on the opposite to that, like, in terms of competing on the beam, if anybody was ever like, well, you've got an advantage because your feet are smaller, so. No one has ever said anything like that. They would be more so amazed that I'm doing these, yeah. like, doing the same thing that they're doing. If you went to the Olympics, would you be able to compete with, like, able-bodied athletes, or would you be forced to be in the Paralympics because you don't have toes? I think they would let me compete with the other athletes, yeah. That's pretty cool. I think that's more so, like, my choice than... I don't think they have, like, restrictions, like, oh, you have to have toes to do this. Because I always... Yeah, I always wondered. Interesting, yeah. Put me in... Cool. And I, just, I mean, sh- first up, shout out to your coach, the the good one who took who put in the yeah, effort. That because like, amazing. I mean, as a coach, I always find it like really fun and challenging if I'm presented with something that's difficult to teach or difficult, or I have somebody who's just struggling with it to go home and do that homework and be like, how do I figure this out so that I can learn more and be better? And also, like, it sounds like your coach had also 
created an environment and we've spoken before about the importance of environment that meant that the other girls in the gym were welcoming to you and accepting and not judgmental and not like well you can't be you know we don't want you on a team with us because you don't look the same way which is super important especially at that age yeah oh absolutely I mean yeah if you were saying it was around when you were like 12 years old I mean so much is happening with I mean, kids are self-awareness and and girls especially right like I feel like girls uh can be meaner even at that age, but that is pretty incredible to have found like a better environment, a welcoming environment after that. So once you were in this new gym and you're making progress and you know, you can clearly with a little bit of tweaking here and there and figuring out muscles, you can do all the, all of the things. Did you, I'm, I'm assuming your self-confidence soared and the, there was never any like, Oh, you know, I should feel badly about myself in any way because I'm different or I can't do things. <clears throat> Oh yeah, it 100% boosted my confidence. I was like, if I can do this, like, why why should I be worried about it? Like, I'm doing something that most people can't even do with toes. Me so like, included. why why yeah, should I definitely us included. Yeah, no, that's that's incredible. I mean, it, it. I was visiting family recently, and I I got to actually go to a gymnastics gym where uh, Jordan trained and my little brother trained and did like open gym with them. It was pretty exceptional. I mean, you are absolutely right. You can do things that, like people with feet, absolutely cannot even dream of doing. Like, what what is the what is the really scary spinning on the bar called? Um, giants. Giants. Yes, <laughs> giants. Those are terrifying. Like, what is a giant? It's it's like when they just like Here, straight arms spin around. I feel like it's uh yeah. Our, our listeners, Google Google giants. Yeah, see. Oh my goodness! Like see, but... spinning around but, on the high bar and just going all yeah. the way around. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. I right. I get terrified just trying to do a muscle up. Um, I would feel like I would and... just let go and then like somehow land on my well, head. That's and... kind of the scary part. There's that. Um, when we were there in open gym, they have something where actually you strap your hands in so you can't let go. Oh, so that <laughs> it's sounds like better. You're strapped in and just going That's, around. But, I would maybe do um, that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know which sounds more terrifying, being able to let go or being like stuck on the bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, it is It is really incredible that, that y- y'all do what you do. Um, I, I remember very clearly the first time I brought my little brother, Colin, to a, a CrossFit gym and he had already been doing gymnastics for years. And when I told him like, oh yeah, like one, one day I hope to do a muscle up. And he's like, what's a muscle up? And I was like, oh, well, it's when you like do this and you swing up and then you get on top of the bar or the rings. And he, he's like, so you mean just like getting up there to start your routine? <laughs> like, like what we give a name to as a muscle up, they don't even name it in gymnastics because it's literally just what you have to do you to start. You haven't even started yet. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't get up there, you can't even start. And, and you know, it, it, Colin used to have T-shirts. Jordan, I'm sure you've seen these too. It's where it's like your your workout is my warm up. Um, and and I, I totally had a, had a jacket. I, yeah. That said, if gymnastics were easy, it'd be called football. Right. Okay. So and I at the time thought, oh, that's kind of a jerk move. Like, what a shirt to like have. But I get that now. Like, it is very true because what we work so hard to do in CrossFit is something that my little brother and you have been doing since you were like five. <laughs> it was since like day one, start. Yeah, like that's okay. just how you get up there. Okay, great. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm super impressed already that with all the stuff that you can do. 
and that 12, 13, you were able to be in a place where you're crushing it and not like killing yourself because you don't look exactly the same as everybody else. But going back to something you touched on in the very beginning is, and you know, in some ways, I guess, and I, I we, maybe we should get your brother on sometime, but too, but like, we talk, we were talking about the differences between what girls and guys have to wear in gymnastics, yeah. but there's also kind of expectations on how you should look in terms of your physical size. And I mean, you guys train for hours and hours daily, right? Which means you're burning masses of calories. Oh yeah, I would expect you to eat a ton, but right? There's, I mean, I I haven't seen that much in the way of like documentaries and stuff about eating disorders and and gymnastics, but I assume it's rife. But I've watched that um, cheerleading documentary, and I cannot remember the name. And they were talking like there was some behind the scenes stuff with like you know the cheerleading girls and talking about you know getting ready for a competition and like trying to eat less and less and less and practice more and more and more and I was like dang and I'm sure that there is probably a pretty unhealthy culture in terms of what you know body image what you look like how you need to present yourself and you know you're pretty vulnerable when you're standing on the floor in a leotard right it's all out not there. able like, you to pick your wedgie and everybody's looking at you what you look like. too. They, they're meant to be tight and they are so uncomfortable yeah so, from what age oh, yeah. were you i mean roughly what from what age were you kind of aware of like eating in relation to what you look like and, you know, how that all kind of plays out in gymnastics? Probably around middle school. For the English person. Middle middle school uh, would roughly be like, yeah, 10 to 12. So pretty early, like at a really impressionable age. Oh, yeah. And was that coming from your coaches or was that coming from like other girls around you or... Or magazines, did you see a thigh gap uh, <laughs> size video with a... Yeah, did you get anything? Oh, I think we have a frozen Zoom situation. And we're back after the biggest internet meltdown of 2021 <laughs> so far. Everything has been unplugged, replugged, sworn at, cursed at. And yeah, Dory helped. appears uh... to be working again. So... Welcome back, Jordan. Sorry for the minor interruption in the middle there. We were talking about, just getting into talking about food, um, awareness, when that all started to happen. And like really what, I'm intrigued as to what you were being told by people of influence around you in terms of like what you should look like, what you should be eating, given how much you're training. Yeah, and also, I mean, yeah, you mentioned that it, it, it was different than what the boys were being told, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, there we go. Sorry. Oh, oh, I was like, wait, go. did we freeze again? <laughs> <laughs> we will get this story out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, so, what, so what, 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 just kind of tell us that part of the story, I guess. So, um, my coaches would restrict us on what we would eat, and probably the biggest one was no sugar. They would, if, if, sometimes we would sleep sugar, and if they would find out we had, like, a donut or something, they would have us do extra conditioning. Oh, wow. Um, 
Yeah. You'd have to burn off the extra food that you ate. Yeah. Basically. Um, what would extra conditioning time, I look had a like? Donut and my coach was at that same donut shop before practice, and he made me run more um, after everybody else was done. He got to eat donuts before class, but then he made you run? Yeah. So, double standards. Yeah, I was like, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> he was pretty heavy and definitely overweight, so I mean, like, I don't know what his deal was, but... Got it. Um, he was not conditioning himself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So what was you, were you given a kind of diet plan? This is what you should eat or like not a calorie really guide? It's just like uh, no sugar. They encouraged only lean meat. So um, like fish, chicken, um, stuff like that. And they didn't really limit anything on carbs off the top of my head that I know of. Um, they just didn't like whatever we ate, like fast food and stuff like that, which I mean, like I get because that can drain your energy, but, um, how many hours a day were you training? So over summer, it was a lot more than when we were in school. So during the school year, we would be there about four hours a day for about five to six days a week. After like eight hours of school. Yeah. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. And over the summer, it was about five to six hours a day and six days a week. If I had a client <sighs> doing that level of work, I would be encouraging them to eat sugar. They would have, right? Like I mean, you need to. want the, yeah. So like, did you get any, apart from like being told things that you can't do and you can't have, and being told that by people who were not living, like not walking the walk, like, yeah, were you given much in the way of education of what? a nutritious healthy diet looked like and how many calories you actually need to be able to sustain your performance without getting injured yeah no i no one we didn't have like any nutritionist to come by or dietitian to talk to us about like how to um like balance your diet with the amount of workload we're putting in every day we didn't have any of that our coaches were just like you shouldn't be eating this, eat this instead or whatever. During all of that training time, how often did you get to take a break and maybe have a snack or oh, something yeah. like that? We would, we would have a snack probably about like every two hours, I would say. They would, they would still let us eat during. So I would bring like goldfish or some grapes, stuff like that. I mean, it's so interesting. Like clearly then they, they knew that obviously to sustain yeah, that yeah. level of activity, you needed to like refuel but at the mm-hmm. same time, we're telling you, like, to, to, I mean, also, like, I mean, did they monitor your weight? I mean, I know gymnastics is not, like, a weight class sport, but no. did but, you need to um, be a certain size? There or some coaches that would point out, like, oh, you're getting, like, you're gaining. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Because um, ideally for a gymnast, you need to be small. So, um, and this is all when you're in your, like, very yeah. early teenage years, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so, now it's more so like gymnasts are a lot more built now, I guess, because they have the right nutritionists and they had people actually writing them like um, diet plans and like how like actual plans or whatever. Whereas yeah. back whenever I was a gymnast, it was more so like you need to be small. You need like gymnasts need to be like small. So what happened to the girls? Because obviously once you hit kind of, anywhere from 11 through 13, you start to change, right? You start to go from little girl 
to mm -hmm. transitioning to what you're going to look like when you're like a fully fledged woman like so you're gonna get boobs or butt or hips or just like generally and as generally as people grow taller they kind of plump up a little bit and then grow taller and lean yeah. out again so what i mean how was that dealt with when people started to oh, change hard. <laughs> that was actually really hard um things started getting harder as i grew up in high school whenever i was um approaching like puberty things were getting a lot harder at the gym. Like, like, was it? Yeah. Um, like skills were getting harder. Um, I felt like I didn't have as much energy. It also could have been corresponding with, the uh, um, lack of nutrition. Right. Not eating enough. <laughs> I mean, because the flip side of that, there's also a lot of gymnasts. I mean, did you did you have friends or I mean, I, I guess if y'all even talked about this at the gym, any of the girls who like didn't get their period or right? Like, I mean, that's also something you hear about with gymnasts too, maintaining like low no, body really fat percentage. Y'all didn't yeah. talk about it. Okay. I didn't. I didn't start till about freshman year of high school, so I was fourteen okay. when I started. I think. Wow. Was anybody, it didn't really me. Were you aware of anybody who ended up quitting gymnastics because their body just was turning into like yeah. whatever their grown-up female shape was going to be wasn't mm -hmm. a good fit for that sport? Yeah, typically women with bigger breasts won't last very long. Um, That's it. That's my excuse now. That, I'll use that as my excuse. I have boobs. Can't be a gymnast. When you do real gymnastics, <laughs> you get back to me on that one. <laughs> All right, I can still do CrossFit gymnastics with boobs. That's true. <laughs> I've, I've noticed um, some girls that were there was one girl specifically who had bigger breasts, and she was she was really struggling. Like it was hard for like running with even running was just like really hard for her. I mean, it's so interesting, like thinking about, yeah, like your body changing naturally and that being, a, you know, a reason that you have to give up a sport that presumably you also probably really enjoy, I right? I there's at that enough, point. I mean, I remember being cripplingly shy and embarrassed at that time of my life. Like when things were changing and you're just like, oh God, what is, what is <laughs> happening here? I don't want anybody to see. I just want to be a little girl again where there's like nothing to see. I've always had a cup, so I've never like noticed anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm with you there, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking, sort of thinking like how much you've already got to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then this sport that you spent since you were a baby practicing yeah. it suddenly becomes like this almost hostile environment because you know completely out of your control yeah yeah mm -hmm. so i'm guessing that if you're being told i mean the, the the thing that really stood out for me what you were saying in terms of nutrition was being told like everything that you can't have or you shouldn't do rather than being actually constructive and and actually offering like hey this is what you should do right and like right here's like his advice and guidelines how was there a culture of like eating disorders or just starting you know did you did you yourself at some point consciously become like hyper aware of everything you were eating yes um so because i was i've been an athlete my entire life and after i quit gymnastics um i started eating more because like I was able to, like I was able to have this piece of bread and I was able to have Chick-fil-A and 
like Panda Express and all these all these like sorts of foods that I was really not supposed to have. So I gained a little bit of weight and then I was like, holy crap, my coaches are right. Like my mindset at the time was like, my coaches are right. Like I'm going to get fat if I eat this. Wow. How old and were you at this point? I was 19 or 18 about. Okay. Um, my eating disorder didn't necessarily develop until I was 20. That's whenever I became anorexic and I started eating probably about 500 calories or less a day. And I would work out too on top of that. So it was after you left gymnastics. It was well after I left gymnastics. Wow. But the coach's voice was in your head still of like, oh, this is what they said would happen. And so that. Yeah. Wow. Partially was them. And then another one was um, my ex who would like show me pictures of girls and be like, you should look like this. Like this model's pretty because she has like this body type. Oh, oh, so there was an unfortunate uh, asshole in your life who (laughs) would like, wow. Because I mean, we've we've talked about, you know, a lot of things around that on the podcast before in terms of like the exposure to media, right? Like what we see in magazines Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, Wow. So yeah, you were kind of getting that from all different sides of your life at that point. Coach's Mm -hmm. voice, a man in your life. I mean, it's quite often the way with like, I had anorexia too, and the incident or like the the real starting point of it was when I was about thirteen years old. But it didn't physically show up yeah. until I was seventeen, and then it like wow. boy did it hit hard and fast. Do you yeah, know? I, was, I lost probably I was around when I was at my heaviest. I was probably pushing one thirty, and at my lightest, I was barely pushing a hundred. Wow. How long did it take you? Right now, I'm still about 110 to 115. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you've mentioned that recently. Mm -hmm. I know when I was in, you know, Texas visiting, saying that like you're still, you're still coming out of that, right? I mean, you're, that is still very. How old are you now? 23. I just turned 23. I did see you eat Chick fil A while I was there, and it looked like you were enjoying it. (laughs) So, wow. So, I mean, it was in waves for me. Some, it's like some, some days, some weeks will be better than others. This week was really hard for me the past two weeks about. Um, but today I've been, I've been doing very, a lot better today. Do you wow. still have your coach's voice in your head? No, I've kind of shut them out at this point just cause, um, I've come to like the realization that he was a real a-hole <laughs> whenever, not just to me, but to my parents as well. Um, actually the day we told them that I was going to another gym and that I was accepted into their program, uh, he cussed my dad out right in front of me. Oh, wow. He was really mad. Yeah. So I kind of blocked them out of my life and I just, they, they, they mean nothing to me at this point because of how they treated me and how they treated my family. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. I I, I appreciate how honest you're being too of like, this is, uh you know, this is, this is still an ongoing thing. A lot I mean, of people don't realize how harsh um, the gymnastics world can be, especially USA Gymnastics. They are really harsh on their girls. Yeah. So, I mean, your eating disorder showed up after you had left gymnastics. Were you aware when you were still training as an early teen of people around you who had eating disorders? Was it ever something that was spoken about or addressed by coaches? Or was it like another thing that was hushed? was starving herself while she's a gymnast and during the meet she actually passed out 
during her routine. Oh, wow. Being, yeah. Passed out in the middle of a routine. And then she quit. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, how was that dealt with? I mean, you, you can't uh, avoid example, talking about that. I would think. And they pulled her out. <clears throat> wow. Mm-hmm. Was it a fairly common thing, do you think, for... I think it might be, but no one talks about it. Oh, yeah. Michaela Maroney, one of the Olympians, I believe in 2016 or 2012, I don't remember which year, um, she recently came out about that. She had, um, this is when the whole like sexual assault uh, situation mm-hmm. scandal was going on between USA Gymnastics and um, the Olympic team. Uh, she came out about that and she was talking about how she struggled with um, eating disorder because of that whole situation. I can only imagine. I mean, it is it is really interesting. Like historically, right? I feel like I've I've been aware that like in gymnastics, it, you know, it's a rough world. You kind of hear the stories of particular gymnastics coaches from like Eastern Europe, especially being like super hard on their athletes. And, Asia. Yeah, Asia. right. And like oh. Chinese coaches, and like I mean, they're they they push out some amazing gymnasts in like these countries, but it's usually with this stereotype of like really harsh coaching. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, then I think of gym, gymnasts, the gym, like they'll put in a good eight hours a day. Wow. <laughs> Cause I mean, I think you, you mentioned this earlier, actually, Jordan, you said, um, right. Like that gymnast bodies now are different even from when you did it. Cause I mean, Simone Biles, right. I think of Simone Biles. She is, she she is built, right. Like her, I mean, yeah. she has muscles. And I think back to when I was a kid watching gymnastics and like Mary Lou Retton, right? Like the classic American gymnastics princess of like the 80s. Mm-hmm. She was tiny. She was thin, right? I mean, I don't remember her being really muscular. That was kind of the standard for a while. And then when everything started becoming public and they started getting criticized really harshly, that's when they kind of, I guess, like redid everything. They kind of just like opened their eyes and like, wow. This is not, this isn't good. Yeah. I think think that's when everything started changing. So you think, so you see as someone, yeah, in the sport, like, so you see it, the positive changes then in the world with that? Like, I believe so, yeah. I think there's, there's been some better changes. There still needs to be a ton of, uh, like the whole, um, Corollis camp, the, the, uh, the medic who was, um, taking advantage of the girls. Uh, yeah. He was actually there whenever I popped my elbow out of socket. He he was the one that popped it back in. <gasps> Yikes. Yeah, so finding all this oh, out that's was really crazy. scary. And then a lot of uh, photographers were doing the same thing with, like, child pornography and, yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, it's amazing, right? Like, you, d- yeah, you just don't really hear these stories in, yeah. in male sports. <laughs> like, and they make gymnasts, like, the side of gymnastics really amazing and while it is it's a great experience there's a whole bunch of stuff that everybody's covering up i feel like leotard based sports are like at the world like a friend who was an olympic swimmer and Mm -hmm. you know she also came out of it like with a pretty serious eating disorder that Mm -hmm. took years and years and years of just figuring things out and making connections and therapy and learning and just being kind to herself before that was passed and you know i obviously any sport where you compete and especially if you're competing at the the most elite levels is going to be super tough but i was always wondering like it seems like 
as I just put it, leotard-based sports. Leotard-based sports. Are <laughs> particularly mean because there's that element, for females in particular, because mm-hmm. there's that element Your of like... Your body is like always being shown. Yeah. And people will point out things, especially media, they love to be like, her fat was sticking out of this new or this new may have been like too tight on her. And then like you oh, become wow. hyper aware of these things and it's like, wow, like everybody's seeing this. Yeah, that's amazing. So what... So what do you do now in in your post-gymnastics life? Because you also, I mean, you've you've become a weightlifter, right? Is yeah, that right? Yeah, I did now? Olympic lifting for a little bit. I recently had to quit because of a lot of foot pain. I'm actually going to be seeing my doctor here in the next month or so. Hopefully sooner. I'm on like a wait list for um, if someone cancels. But yeah, I'll be, I'll be seeing my doctor here soon to... Has getting, did getting into that sport change things around eating? I mean, I know I think of my yes. brother and oh, how much weightlifting he started. It forced me to eat more. Yeah. It forced me to eat more. I was eating normal amounts. Yeah. Over normal amounts where I, where I should have been for like, um, getting all that like calories out with lifting weights and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I feel like weightlifting definitely changed how I thought about food. I mean, that's the cool thing about weightlifting is that you just simply cannot do it if you have no fuel in your body. Right. I would definitely would notice the effects. Oh my gosh. I never, never would have thought how much food can impact how you function until I started weightlifting. I was like, holy crap. Like I, I need food to do this like I, I couldn't do it if I wasn't eating well, and it blows my mind because you did gymnastics yeah. for all those years under eating right like that yeah that kind of output but I mean wow. you need for weightlifting you need that explosive power so you've mm-hmm. got to have energy stored in your body and then mass moves mass right for gymnastics yeah. obviously <clears throat> there's a point where you're too weak to be able to continue like the girl right. who you mentioned passed out but you know mm-hmm. we all know that when we train with weight vests on and we're trying to do pull-ups and things like that it really sucks adding mm-hmm. 14 pounds extra to your body. And you right. take it off and you feel light as a feather. And then we like often say, you know, if we just weighed 20 pounds less, we'd have a muscle up in a heart. Right. I, I totally use that excuse. <laughs> but we would also then feel completely crappy mm-hmm. when it came to like trying to lift weight. Because if, if I like ever try and cut weight just a little bit, my it, it impacts my performance in the gym in terms of being able to lift drastically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our, our last episode was about, you know, how badly you really have to want a specific body type to, like, cut weight. Um, and, yeah, generally it comes along with losing performance, for sure. And I think it's really interesting, like, as somebody, and, you know, I hope that you can continue with weightlifting or, you know, it doesn't hurt you or you can find a way to build some of that into your future sporting. Because as somebody who comes from a background with an eating disorder... Being able to shift my focus to like what I can do in terms of like, what can I lift today? This is actually fun. Like I want to try and get under a really big number. So if I'm really worried about what I look like or, you know, thriving off of that kind of, yes, I managed to go to bed really hungry yesterday. I know that I'm going to go to the gym and it's going to suck. And I'm going to be way more mad that I couldn't lift that weight than I would be if I decided to like, actually address the hunger and eat yeah. a big dinner. Eat a donut maybe before. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I still, I feel bad that, yeah, you, you, you got told donuts weren't allowed for so long. By somebody who was in a donut <laughs> shop. In a donut shop eating donuts himself. Yeah, that's I mean, it would just, be one thing if that person crappy. was like super healthy, leading by example, you know, had given you guys education, but to actually be doing the very thing that you, and then saying you can't do this, but I'm going to do this and I'm the one that you should be listening to. Yeah. It's that sound like gymnastics coaches are like the do what I say, not what I do kind of <laughs> mentality. So if you were, if, if some, like if a mother or teacher or whatever was like, Hey, we've got this kiddo. She's awesome. She's like 11, 12 years old. She's really, you know, keen on getting as good as she can in gymnastics. Like what advice, like twofold, what advice would you give to the athlete? And what advice would you give to the parents in terms of like making sure that 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 little girl continues in the sport in a really healthy way? I would tell the little girl that she shouldn't feel pressured to continue if she didn't want to. Because um, I know gymnastics, gymnastics can take a huge toll on you like mentally and physically because I didn't have a social life. The only social life I had was with the girls at gymnastics, which was fine with me because I grew up doing it. So I grew up with these people. Usually when people come in at like 10 or 12, they have friends at school already. And all of a sudden they can't go hang out with them because they have to practice. Hmm. Um, That and I would tell the parents that, oh God, what would I tell the parents? (laughs) Apparently, be prepared to be, like, you know, yelled at by coaches. Like, um, I would tell the parents, be prepared for late-night dinners. Dinners usually started for us probably around, like, 9 or 10 p.m. Uh, yeah. Like, what signs could a parent look out for that, you know, if, if, a, if a child is in, gymna- in a gymnastics program and desperately wants to please coaches and desperately wants to please their parents, but deep down they're actually struggling and they're not in a healthy place physically or mentally like what signs might a parent see in that child to be like oh hang on something's happening here because as a gymnast you aren't with your parents often so it's easy to hide that stuff Mm. i would skip lunch at school and they would never they would never know um i could skip my snack breaks i could bring snacks with me at, at the gym and we would go to another part of the area. We would go into the waiting area. We would go to, uh, it's like a little second story area. That's where we'd have our snack breaks and you could throw them away if you wanted to. So it's, it's kind of hard to look out for those signs. Um, I guess my best advice would just like look out, make sure they're eating their breakfast, make sure they're eating their dinner. Um, other than that, it's, it's really, it, from a parent's perspective, it's really hard to, like know if they're actually eating that they like what they need to be eating yeah i mean that's a really good point you're saying like during the school year you'd be at school for eight hours and then training at the gym for four hours that's most of your waking hours then certainly where your parents are not around Um, it kind of is amazing that i mean trouble is if you have an eating disorder like i could get rid of food sitting at the dinner table with my parents and they wouldn't even see yeah you got you got i was a master master at doing that um and it's kind of just amazing, though, that, like, in the kind of coaching environment that there isn't 
grown-ups coaches like really like watching over and making sure that right it sounds like the coaches when it's were... a time for a snack and a snack break that their athletes are actually taking on board some calories yeah. to enable them to continue to train sounds like the coaches are an active part of the problem snacks either sometimes i wouldn't have a snack with me or i would just not eat i would just sit there and drink water wow mm-hmm. Whew. I am I'm, I'm more and more amazed that like you you came out of this sport with uh yeah kind of was things it? to process. Like I mean I think we've quizzed you so much and this is awesome but like I'm really intrigued. <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you ever trained with male athletes or whether you were just always with mm-hmm. female athletes. Were you aware of any similar culture around body image and what the athletes should like look like in terms of the guys? Uh, the guys didn't care at all. Like they didn't care. They looked like they were they were there. That's all they cared about. They got to eat donuts. As far as I know, my <laughs> other gym didn't have a boys team, so I I don't know from that side. But the new one did have a boys team, and I just remember that no one cared what they looked like. Wow. Oh my goodness. So I I want I wanted to tell you like so I this this week there's been um. There was a recent anniversary um, of it's been 50 years, I think, since uh, the, the I guess the federal government banned ads for smoking, like cigarette, uh, like advertisement. Um, and this clothing brand, Girl Clothing, that we've talked about mm-hmm. on the podcast before, has sort of spun this campaign around it to bring awareness to eating disorders. And so they shared the statistic the other day that one in five women will have an eating disorder at some point in their lives. Um, and they they brought up the 50-year anniversary of the ban on smoking advertisement because I, I guess like at the time, um, something like the impact on the healthcare system related to smoking was like $6 billion a year or something. And now they've done like new research shows that eating disorders and like the impact of advertisements related to diet culture is costing upwards of like 600 billion. Like it's, it's, it's a huge impact. And I bring that up because I know you're, I mean, you're going into the medical field, right? You are, uh, you, you work in the ER now you're, you're on your way to medical school. Um, I mean, do you, do you feel like being drawn to that, that industry? Um, does that have to do with kind of your past relationship with health and you know, how you struggled as an athlete or, I've always known that I wanted to be in the medical field. My first um, thought was anesthesiology. Um, right now, because I work in emergency medicine, I really like emergency medicine, so that's my current path. Um, it's more so on, as cliche as it sounds, as just to wanting to give back as much as I can to the community by providing life-saving services to these people and helping them. I can't necessarily, like, force them on a healthier diet or force them on a healthier lifestyle, but I can definitely encourage it. And I love to encourage that. I actually had a patient who did have an eating disorder and I got to talk to her for a little bit um, about it and she seemed okay. I got her to drink some juice. (laughs) Does it help you like in your own recovery, like thinking about the impact that having a coach who was eating a donut and telling you not to eat a donut, which is so messed up. Like, does it help you to kind of try and live, your healthiest life and be better so that you can be an example rather than saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, 
I definitely eat, I'm more conscious and like aware of what I'm putting into my body. Um, whereas before I did, I didn't care. Like I was just kind of eating to eat. Now I'm just like, I need, I need, um, this vitamin. And because I was anorexic for a while, I now have low blood pressure and I'm anemic. So I have to make sure I'm taking in enough iron to sustain being not dizzy. (laughs) (laughs) I get really dizzy whenever I'm low on iron. Oh, I hear you. Well, all the spinach. All the, no. I eat all the spinach. All the spinach, all the tuna. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, Jordan, I'm kind of blown away by many things that you said, but like Rachel just said earlier, like thank you for being so honest and so open and mm-hmm. willing to share. And like, it's truly amazing to me that you were firstly able to do all everything that you can do with no toes, mm-hmm. and at that age, you know, be able to just own it and deal with it. And, and I love the fact that your parents will just kept reminding you that if, if you can do it with no toes, it makes you even cooler than the people that are doing it with toes. So mm-hmm. just same as I was like, you know, it's, it's super inspirational whenever I see like the adaptive athletes and CrossFit oh, yeah. things without like an arm or something. I'm like, how? I struggle to do that with everything. Doing a clean and jerk attached. with one arm. Like. There's, a, there's an Olympic swimmer who doesn't have uh, her legs below her knees, and she's awesome. Her name is Jessica Long. Ooh, we'll look her up. We'll look her up. <laughs> but, you know, also just for, you know, thank you for giving us an insight into the rather scary-sounding world of gymnastics, Ooh, yeah. and I hope <laughs> that positive changes continue it's to be made. It's not as glorious as you would think. <laughs> Yeah, um, for somebody so young, it's like really amazing for you to share all of that. And like, I wish you all the best in your journey into the world of medicine. And I'm sure, I have no doubt that you will be able to help many, many people like back to health and be an example by living your own best healthy life and making sure that you're in the best shape and continue to just crush things and be inspiring and show the rest of us that, you know, Quit moaning when right. We I have yeah, setbacks. exactly. We we are we've got, <laughs> we've got no for those excuses. of us that have literally no excuses. We should probably just not be moaning about things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't really cannot wait to listen to this one. Apologies to you me. and to the listeners for the ridiculous freak in- internet right. I know our, our first technological malfunction. The but, internet uh... gods were not on our side, <laughs> but hey, we got there in the end, and I'm sure people will be excited to hear this 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 one. So thank you so much, and uh, happy listening, everybody.